McShane Bible Study, day 259, and we're starting in 2 Samuel 12. And so, we remember in the last chapter, David did his um, great sin with Bathsheba. And so, in this chapter, Nathan comes to rebuke him. He tells him a parable of a, well, he doesn't know it's a parable. He thinks it's a true story <laughs> of uh, a man who has one little sheep that he loves dearly and another rich man who had lots of sheep who came and slaughtered the poor man's sheep. And David said, you know, he, he should be killed and he should have to pay back far more than he did. And Nathan says, you're that man. You're, you're rich and blessed. I've given you everything and I would give you everything more. But you took the one thing that this other man loved. And so he says, I'm not going to kill you the way you said the other man deserved to die. But the consequences will be severe. And they, they are severe, right? Says the sword's never gonna leave your house. You're always what does that mean? It means you're always gonna be in battle your whole life. Okay. You never get to. If you look at Solomon's life, as you'll learn, he was never really in battle. He had peace, and some of that wasn't good because he was constantly making. Uh, he was marrying outside to women who brought him away from the Lord, but he had a life of peace, right? Uh, and. David had a life of war, right? And so he says, the sword's never going to leave your house. And he says, your wives, just as you took his wife, I'm going to take your wives. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, um, and this child that you have is going to die. Mm-hmm. There's some severe consequences, right? Does God want David to have consequences? not God's desire, right? However, would you let mommy in? (laughs) However, it's just, he stepped outside of the grace of the Lord. You see that? I think you mentioned the other day that to whom much is given, much is expected. Yeah. Well, David's expected not to commit this great sin, and there's huge consequences. He opened him up, exposed himself to the enemy for doing this. But then, what was your question? Yeah. Why did Solomon come from Bathsheba? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and so, I can't say for sure, but the, my thinking is, along this line, Solomon came from Bathsheba because even though David had committed this great sin, he repented. Mm-hmm. He was a man after God's own heart. God loved him. And so, he redeemed the relationship with Bathsheba. He, he still had to face all the consequences for stepping outside of the grace of the Lord, right? There's no getting around that, and he did the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. But, Dave, but God still loved him and redeemed, because now, now she's his wife, right? Yeah. So God redeemed that and gave her, you know, we can look at what David did and everything, but Bathsheba had this happen to her, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he gave Bathsheba the new king. Right? Because, I mean, we don't know what Bathsheba was thinking at the time, but as far as we know, Bathsheba was perfectly righteous in all that she did, you know? Uh, Although, I would think telling her husband (laughs) what happened, uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, anyways, I, I see it as the Lord redeeming this. He still had to face the consequences, but he repented and the Lord re- redeemed this. 
And so then they go and um, Joab, I, I'm always surprised that uh, that David carried such a grudge against Joab because Joab was a faithful um, uh, general. But he did disobey David the one time. But in this case, he uh, he says, look, we're finally going to take uh, Rabbah and um, it's going to be a great victory and you need to come lead the army so that I don't get the credit for it that you did. Remember how David got the credit for uh, Saul's victories? Joab says, I don't want that to happen. I want you to get the credit. Mm-hmm. And so David does, and he gets the credit. And next, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is kind of the end of this three-chapter part that is just amazing in Corinthians. He's just talking about spiritual realities of life. Mm-hmm. And he says in verse 1, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, he's talking about our body, right? Mm-hmm. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands. In other words, he's saying, I'm not worried about what happens to my body. I, my life is not stu- stuck in my body. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's how I'm experiencing it. But I have, I have come into eternal life that happens to exist in this body right now. Mm-hmm. So if this body is destroyed, all the better for me, because now my life is not trapped in it. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. It's like God will give me a better eternal body than this. I'm just here right now for a little little while, right? Mm-hmm. It says, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. It's like this, this body has problems, right? That body will not have any problems, mm-hmm. right? If he says, this is just the reality. He goes on and on about that, and it's, it's beautiful, but I won't talk about it all. Um, but he's just saying, he's, he's trying to explain that life is more than what we sense, with our eyes, our ears, our nose, our hands touch. You know, it's like, it's more than that. Going down to 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. So it says, when we meet people, we don't see them as everyone else sees people. Mm-hmm. We see them as perfectly made containers for the glory of God in a unique way. God desires to have every single person choose him. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone still has the chance until they die to choose him. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's someone who hasn't chosen him yet, mm-hmm. well, we regard him as someone that hopefully will, and maybe we can help in that. But we're always looking, what is God doing in this one's life? Mm-hmm. Right? He is made as a perfect creation meant to hold the glory of God in a unique way that no one else can. Mm -hmm. That's what he or she was made for, right? And so we regard an unbeliever as that. Some people call it a pre-Christian. Someone who's not yet a Christian yet, but by God, hopefully they will be, right? Mm -hmm. And who knows? I mean, the Lord's going to shake things up so that many that think of themselves as Christians will fall away. And many who don't know the Lord will come begging to know the Lord. And so these things will be shaken up. So are we going to be stuck in what they say with their mouth? Or are we going to view people as the Lord views them? Because the Lord knows how it's all going to work, right? Mm -hmm. Also, if we see someone who's come to the Lord, but maybe we still see signs of their old life in them. Well, that's not how the Lord sees them anymore. Why are we judging them by certain things? Mm-hmm. Okay? We judge them by, are they seeking the Lord? Are they hungry to grow in the Lord? Mm-hmm. That's a 
that's a better way to see them than what are they struggling with currently, mm-hmm. right? We can always look down on other people when they struggle for, with things that we don't struggle for. But we, we're sim- very sympathetic for ourselves in the areas that we struggle. Mm-hmm. That's the flesh. That's the enemy. Does that make sense? He says, we no longer regard people according to these such things. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. He said, we used to just think of Christ as a regular man. But now we see he had the spirit of God in him. He was God's representation on earth. Right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When we accept Christ, we become something new, mm-hmm. right? This is it's a powerful reality. It needs to be so real to us. It's more real than anything else we experience. Not just something we think, oh, yeah, yeah, I learned that in Bible study once. It, oh, I'm a new creation. I'm born again. No, no, we need to be that every day, mm-hmm. right? And we need to understand that others are made for that. Nineteen. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So God, it's kind of like we were just talking about with Bathsheba and David. God said, David, these consequences are going to come upon you because what you did was horrific. Mm -hmm. However, you've repented and I'm going to redeem you. Right? And, and your son from Bathsheba will be the new king. Mm-hmm. Right? God wants to redeem us all. He wants to reconcile us all. He sent Jesus to be that reconciliation. And us to bring the news and the way of that life, that reconciled life. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So you're asking what an ambassador was. I explained that before the recording. So we are the representative of God's kingdom, of eternal life with God in this fallen world. Mm -hmm. We represent God to those we are near. Mm -hmm. You see that? Mm -hmm. That means we're not of this world. An ambassador, if if you're the ambassador in Paris Mm -hmm. and you represent America, do you know the, the embassy where the ambassador is and all the people that work for him? It's called an embassy. That's considered American soil. Wherever it is in Paris, there's one in Paris somewhere. That's considered American soil, even though it's in France. Mm -hmm. Okay? Same with the French embassy in America. Mm -hmm. Our government is not allowed to go in the French embassy. So I sometimes, um, people who commit crimes or are accused of committing crimes in a foreign country, they get to the embassy quick. Because that government cannot go into that embassy. Because mm-hmm. if, if it's in Paris and it's American embassy, that's American soil. French government, you're not allowed in there. Mm-hmm. The, so the ambassador is um, in, a, in France is American, representing America, even though he's surrounded by France. Mm-hmm. An ambassador of Christ is in and of the kingdom of God, even though we're surrounded by a fallen world. Mm-hmm. That's the reality Paul understood and lived. That's the reality that we need to come into. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If, again, it, 
so much of this is not theology. It's not thinking, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a fine philosophy. Mm-hmm. No, it's a way of living. And, and it's a combination of us seeking the Lord and the Lord blessing us with his grace so that we can live in it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. All of our sin, every, every shortcoming that we have, it was put on Jesus on the cross so that we can be reconciled to be a perfect son of God and stand in Christ's righteousness before the Father and before the world as the representative of the Father. Mm-hmm. You see that? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. We are running very short on time, and um, I'm going to keep Ezekiel 19 pretty short. He's, he's, God gives Ezekiel a picture of Israel originally being a lion, right? Or Ju- Judah, specifically. Um and, but he says her cub, which you think about us, the son should be a son of God, right? Mm-hmm. But he says your princes at first started out well, but then you've, you turned to the world, Egypt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he said, now the world has consumed you. Mm-hmm. Okay. This, again, we talk about this picture with the church mm-hmm. often, but again, it's just, it's, it's more, more of the same turning to Babylon. Um, and so I'm going to move on from there. This, this chapter is a lament. And we're finishing in John 20. And so we see, uh, you know, Jesus is raised and it, John was there and he explains Mary came first and she came and got Peter and I and, and we came and then we left and then we saw that he wasn't there, but Mary stayed around weeping and Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And she thought he was the gardener. So what does that tell us? He had a renewed body, right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah tells us that he was not a good-looking man. There's nothing to look at. Um, but w- there are multiple people that have had these experiences with the Lord, and they and they say like that he looks like that painting in our or that print that Mr. Van did for us on our wall. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that painting done based on. There's this Russian American girl, little girl prodigy. She's she was making incredible paintings when she was like younger than Callum, <laughs> and um, and said that his visions from the Lord. And then there was some young boy who had some died, died came, came back. back, and his dad showed him like hundreds of pictures, thousands of like possible Jesus. He's always like, no, no, no. And then he saw this picture from this Russian girl. And he says, yeah, that's him. <laughs> Um, so I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe that's kind of what his redeemed, renewed, eternal body looks like. Of course, we know when people go up and see him in the heavenlies, typically uh, in the Bible, they're seeing him as like light and fire and crystal and, you know, so I don't know. But what we do know is Mary didn't recognize him, mm-hmm. right? And we all, on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and at the at Galilee, they didn't recognize him, although they were farther off, um, until they became spiritually aware of who he was. You see? Um, I just brought that up because we were just talking about that. Um, 17. 
Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. He's saying, look, God has positioned you to be mature sons of God, to represent him in the earth. We just use the word ambassador. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's an, another way of looking at it. As, as one, not every Christian be, is a mature son of God or an ambassador. We have to, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, we, we're children of God. We're in some ways, we represent, if you go to a foreign country and you're a Texan in a foreign country, you, you, and people, you tell people, they ask where you're from, you say, I'm from Texas. Well, oh, okay, you're from Texas. But you're not the ambassador, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you kind of represent Texas or America. Right, but you're not the official ambassador, right? Mm-hmm. What's well, the same thing? We become a child of God, but it's only when we when we are transformed and made a mature son of God by the Lord mm-hmm. that that we take on this position. That's what Jesus is saying to them, my Father. This was a unique way that he talked about God, but he's saying he's not just my Father. He's your father now, which is, we saw that a few chapters back in the, you know, the Last Supper, right? He was explaining this to them. Look, you're going to be God's son that represents his business in the world, that represents his grace, his will, his love. It's yours, my father and your father. We're brothers, right? Hebrews says first among many brothers, right? Um, Okay. 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He says, the purpose for which I was here, obviously Jesus had a unique purpose as the lamb slain before creation, right? And he took, he was on the cross. And although a couple of them did die on a cross, it wasn't for the same purpose, right? Um, but he says the same purpose of God for mankind in the world to be the son of God representing him to this creation, to be a priest and king. That, that, that role that I've had, you are called into that too. I am sending you for the same role that I've had. 22. I always like this verse because uh, my first mission trip Early on, we, we, were, we would journal. It's the same book I've, I've encouraged you to go through. Um, I, I was journaling to God, and I heard him say, John twenty twenty two, And I went through and looked at it, and it says, receive. and I, I'd been desperate for receiving the Holy Spirit up until that time. Mm-hmm. been praying a lot about it. And, um, and I, I, when he said John twenty twenty two, I had no idea what that verse was, so I opened it up. And, uh, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So I was excited. I, th- I thought that was cool. It's funny. And I journaled it. And then the mission trip went on to be the most amazing experience in my life. And um, it was only later when I, like, I, I blogged all this <laughs> that I went back and read the journal. And I, and I was like, whoa, he told me exactly what he was going to do. That was like, I don't remember if that was early in the day or the, next, or the day before. But we were in a little prayer room, and he just poured out his spirit, and I was just on fire for about two weeks afterwards. Um, and and so, anyways, I'm, that verse is always special to me <laughs> because he did that. You know, there were many, many correct prophecies and whatever throughout that week, and and, and many more things to come. But that was that was kind of a beginning of that for me. Twenty three. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. 
If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He's saying, look, you now, because you've been positioned as a mature son of God, right? That's the word that we don't, we lose that in the Greek from switching from Greek to English, but like Romans 8, like it's, it's specifically a mature son of God, right? He says, you have taken on the responsibility of the father and the authority of the father. And this blows the mind. This is impossible for the religious mind to get around. What do you mean I can, I can forgive sins? Right? Or, or withhold that forgiveness. That's a, that's a crazy thing, right? This is the life God is calling us to. We have to seek Him for it. To step in it and walk in it. And, and we do not have this just because we say we have it. We have it because we live the life and God grants that authority. You see it? There's a progression into these things. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Mm, no. All right. Well, God bless you. God bless you.